coming to you pre-recorded from quarantine. You're listening to Pickle Thoughts. I'm Capono. I'm Victor. And in this week's episode, we're rolling out all across America through Zoom, and we're going to catch up with some of our best friends and uh, catch a meal with them in their virtual apartments. So uh, I'm pretty hungry, Victor. How about you? I'm starving. Can't wait to get started. I am so excited to mooch off of our friends' meals. So let's uh, let's go to Dan in New York. Hey guys, how's it going? Yo, Dan, hey. we're ready to mooch off of you like we did in college. Yeah. Well, you chose the right guy because I'm an awful cook, but I've been on like a health kick, so I'm going to give you guys like a very basic but but decently healthy meal. Uh, cooked up some ground turkey. We got a bunch of different seasonings in there. We got some tomatoes in there, some basil. So you got your veggies, your um, meats, um, and we got some brown rice on the side. So it's a nice, you know, it's a comprehensive meal. Got your carbs, your protein. Uh, it's pretty good. I actually also really love ground turkey. It's really easy to make. Is this so like a day for dinner breakfast thing, or do you try to like switch it up? No, I'll have different kinds of meats. So I, I've I've been trying to like hit like a really high amount of protein every day since I've started cooking for myself rather than like eating out. Um, so for lunch and dinner, I'll usually have like the ground turkey or, or the chicken or like whatever I prepared in advance that'll last me a few days. But for breakfast, I mainly just stick to eggs and uh, make myself like a little breakfast sandwich going on, you know, with eggs, some bread, some avocado, um, some sausage if I have it. Dan, so this looks wonderful. What, what do you call this dish? Is I, call it- it ground, I call it ground turkey with rice. <laughs> <laughs> You can, creative, you can see it on creative. menus across America coming to you this fall. No, I'm, I'm, I'm admittedly not the best cook in the world, but I'm learning. This has been a great opportunity to, to, I think I'm good at like getting down one ingredient. Like I can make myself the meat or I can like get the rice going, but building out these complex dishes is, is what I'm still learning to do. Got it. So like, how does it make you feel? How does, how does, the, how does turkey make you feel versus, uh, versus chicken? <laughs> turkey versus chicken yeah uh you know i get get real excited about turkey actually i do prefer ground turkey it's like a leaner meat um so it's definitely feels healthier and i think you can eat like a like a heftier portion also it's like really easy to 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 do ground turkey you just like toss it on the pan with a little oil and it's it's like done in a few minutes uh and then burgers are also really easy toss them on a pan Mm ideally to do burgers on a grill and uh, i might get a grill in a few weeks because my parents have an extra one so they might drive that on up to new york so I could put a grill up on my roof and work with that. But until then, I'm pan only. Although lately, it's been setting off the smoke alarm, which has been very nice. awkward because I have the tall ceilings, so I can't reset it manually. So for oh. like a solid five oh. minutes, my, my alarm goes off and my roommate, uh, my oh, neighbors okay. have to listen to that. So I have not cooked <laughs> burgers in like two weeks because I feel really, really bad at like 7 p.m. like the alarm blaring. Dang. Wait, so when you're trying to like clear the smoke away what what do you use like do you use a magazine do you so use so one of them covers? i can get i can get up to on the stairs i can i can get up and touch it. and then there's another one that's like by the front door that i cannot reach without a ladder and i do not own mm. a ladder so i just take my jacket and i just like go ham like swing <laughs> and like hoping for the best like my heart is pounding so fast i'm just like waiting for the knock on the door to get like an angry neighbor like what the hell are you doing um, so that yeah. one, after that happened, I was like, you know what, maybe I just don't cook burgers for a little bit. I, I work with other stuff that doesn't set off the smoke alarm. And to clarify, I don't burn anything. It's just like oversensitive, <laughs> I guess, not enough ventilation and the heat rises. Yeah. Heat rises to the top, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> Science class. 
So yeah, I, so, I have a friend that just eats turkey like all the time at night. He has like trouble sleeping and it's like a, huh. it's like a tryptophan thing. It's like, it helps you sleep. That's why you get sleepy after Thanksgiving meals is because of the mm-hmm. turkey. So what, what has the, been, been the impact on starting your day with, uh, with turkey? Do you ever feel that or, or do you feel? I, I don't know that I feel sleepier, but I definitely, I feel fuller when I cook for myself, you know, uh, it's, when you when you eat out, I think it's like really easy to like eat a lot and then just keep snacking throughout the day. But now that I've been forced to cook for myself pretty consistently, like every single day, um, I definitely feel fuller. And then when I'm snacking, it's usually on like fruit or something, so it's not as bad. Uh, it, it, it ends up being kind of hard. I'm a pretty tall guy. I'm like six foot, so it ends up Wait. being pretty hard to get the, <laughs> the amount of calories you need every single day, according to Dan, all the apps and whatnot. Is. Dan. Are you really six feet now? I am fully five eleven and three quarters. I think I can I can say I'm six feet. Wait, I think well, that's was fair it the enough. turkey? Was it the turkey they gave I, you? No, next I, two I think feet? it's the new guy. Two inches. I've I've always been that height. I don't think I've grown since college. I, I think, think I've grown. I, I mean, I, I've always had like a slouching problem. I think I've I sit up a little straighter now. Maybe but, that's why. Maybe that's uh, why. It's presence. Slouch. I think I've, I've, I've grown slouch. like a six foot presence since leaving college. You know, the weight of Cornell like really brought me down with its negative yeah. 10 degree weather every single day. For, for, the, for those of you listening, like I used to be the same height as Daniel in college. You were never, all right, you were never the same height as me. What are you talking about? <laughs> and you now I'm like 5'8". Like, I think I've shrunk. Personally. I don't know that you were ever the same height as me. I live next to you for a full year. I've also had a slouching problem, but yeah. Carry around too much books, too much knowledge. Created a slouch. Hey, Dan. So I know we're calling you. It's your birthday today, right? It is. Happy birthday, Dan. Thank you. So thank you. I, right. I know, like, you got cake and everything. Um, what if you had to be a dessert what kind of dessert would you be it's mm, a solid question that is a solid question it's a curveball i have to think about this one too i think i'd like to go with my my, my favorite dessert which is which is ice cream cake it's not something you find often mm. um at a restaurant per se but it's a multi-purpose dessert it's got a lot of layers to it you know it's a cake but it's also ice cream um there's crunchy bits which are remis- reminiscent of a cookie uh, there's a lot to discover in an ice cream cake, and, and I think I, I, I kind of embody that, the mentality. There's a lot to discover in Daniel. Right. Have I think we, layered flavors are very important. And yeah. Have, have we body. only cracked the surface of knowing Dan, Victor? Yeah. There's, there's, you know, I didn't know. I, I would have guessed it was like cheesecake or something. Like, I've never seen him personally eat like ice cream cake. Because you don't, you don't see it around that much. Like, like if you go to a restaurant, they, they'll probably have a cheesecake. They'll probably have like an mm. ice cream type thing. But other than like Carvel or Baskin Robbins, you don't really see a lot of ice cream cake. Yeah. Surprisingly yeah. Uh, sparse, surprisingly unique dessert. Capone, what would you be? I'm just curious. Um, I'd be pecan pie. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, it's, Interesting. It's actually my dad's favorite dessert, but um, what was it? I, you know, I just love the contrast. This, the crust is a little salty like me sometimes. The center's a little soft and gooey like me. It's, you know, it's like you get like a good crunch from it. It's gooey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's grand in the microwave. And when you think you're done with it, you're not. You can throw the leftovers and make like a cobbler out of it and just oh. throw it all together. And yeah, it's, it's dynamic. So 
Well, well, next time you're in New York, Pono, we got to make sure that our good friend and my roommate, Sam, makes you a pecan pie because his are very, very good. He made them a few Ooh. times in college and they're professional quality, if I do say so myself. They are professional quality. Are him, professional and, him, him and Amy are just like phenomenal bakers and yeah. chefs. They're both very good at cooking and baking. Yeah, yeah. So, How about you, Victor? Oh, me? Man, I'll just say that those were very like interview-esque questions. Those were like really deep. You guys did a great job like explaining how I tied into your personality and everything. Like, I don't know. Like, mine would probably be like brownies or something. Like anything that's like really bad for you because like that's why you eat dessert, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they just taste you gotta good. Gotta lean in. Go with that. If you're I'm eating so dessert, bad. you can't do like a healthy option. You gotta like go all in or just don't do it. The more chocolate, the more chocolatey chips and the peanut butter inside the brownie, I would say like the better. Wait, I, this is a really like touchy topic with a lot of people, Victor. Are, do you like a crunchy brownie or do you like a gooey brownie that's like not even really cooked? Oh, I, uh, I, would, I would say it's got to have like a good crunch on the outside, um, but it has to be soft inside. Completely mm. agree. Yeah. It's per- perfect brownie. That's a perfect yeah. brownie right there. It can't be I think, I, I think same with cookies. You want like a cookie that's like a little mm-hmm. crunchy on the outside, but like when you get to the chocolate or whatever, you know, is inside it, it's like a little gooier. Yeah. You don't want like a soft cookie. Yeah. They taste like 10 times better when they're like hot, you know? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. I'm going to pop it in microwave for like 10 seconds. You um, put ice cream on top of it? That's a good idea. If I had ice cream, yeah, I would. It would definitely make it better. <laughs> That's what we would do throughout college in the dining halls. We'd get those brownies and then we'd get the ice cream, toss it on top, put it in the microwave. Oh, yeah. For those, <laughs> we had I remember, the, yeah, I remember you did that a lot, Dan. We did that a lot. <laughs> That's like, like, if you were going to the dining halls, you might as well do that because you're not going to like buy brownies and ice cream and do it yourself. What? Speaking of that, like, would you guys make any like crazy concoctions or creations in like the dining halls? Because, you know, it can get kind of bland and boring. Like, would you guys get creative with it? Only at Oak and Shields, yeah. Only because you Ooh, had to. Oak and <laughs> Only because it was like, it was like, it was like a chopped episode in there every time you, every time you went. <laughs> you had to like make, make the most of your situation. I don't know that you I know? ever made anything wild, but it's like when you walk into the buffets, it's like you've never seen food before. So you have to like grab everything. And then I'd walk away with the plate that just made no sense because it'd have like three different meats and like two different types of carbs and like a bunch of veg. There's like no room on anything. Got to fill it up. <laughs> yeah. The hard part about like that, like the dorm experience stuff, it's like, it's hard to make it look good. Like appetizing. Mm. Like it's, it's like, it's got appetizing when you scoop it onto your plate, but then you go back to your seat and you're like, man, this is just like a mishmash of, Stuff I don't even want to eat anymore. <laughs> I what was it? I I completely agree with you, Victor. That Oaken Shields, you had to be very creative. I remember their dessert. They never really had desserts. They kind of made like a half-ass effort when it came to desserts. So I'd be putting like I'd make I get like a slice of bread. I put like ice cream in it. Then I put fruit in it or something. And I just oh. eat it. Like I I just didn't know what to do with my time there. So. The worst part is like, yeah, I agree. Like, like me and Dan were like big salad guys. We would, we would go, we'd try to behave, you know, like we'd limit ourselves to like one scoop of ice cream, but the salad at Oakenshield was always like wilted and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's yeah. hard, it's hard to work with when you don't have quality ingredients. <laughs> Victor, you did something that I thought was, was phenomenal in college. You used your rice cooker in a, mm, in a very unique yeah. way. Mm, yep. Yep. Some would say a disgusting way. <laughs> it was definitely disgusting. 
Okay, for those of you guys listening, like we had a we had a time we were on a time crunch schedule. It was it was a we had difficult classes, and uh, in order to save time, like I would go to the grocery store and I would put my meal in a in a rice cooker, and uh, and yeah, I would just like that'd be the end of the story. You'd usually have like white rice, some broccoli, some chicken, maybe like an egg, and maybe like a curry pat. But to save time, like I wouldn't cook these parcels separately as you might think. I would put them together. Um, and it just kind of became like a staple and I don't know why, but people made fun of me for it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Wait, but, was everything like cooked equally? Like rice and chicken don't cook at the same speed. No. So was it like your rice burnt to make sure your chicken wasn't undercooked? No, no. Like, I think it was all in the name of efficiency. So like sacrifices <laughs> did have to be made. So if the rice was overcooked and dried a little, like it, it beats having salmon- salmonella. Oh, for sure. <laughs> And uh, it was good. It was good. Like I, I would have like one of our other friends, Rahul, who lived with us on the floor. Like he would split the meals with me sometimes, and like he always had a good time. It was just the presentation was lacking. You no, know, Victor. You know what I loved about your meals was you know you you throw a lot of things together, but you would make it you'd make it look so tasty though. Oh, oh like really? no matter how much shit people gave you. It, you made it look so tasty. I wanted to eat it. Really? Oh, yeah. okay. That's a first. You, you really Dan sold it. It was. That's not what Dan would say. It, it was. It was the first time I saw like everyone toss everything into the rice cooker. I was skeptical. I also never tried it. I think I maybe tried it like once and it was fine. Um, but I was right. definitely a skeptic. Right. Right. N- not think... to say I'm a master chef by any means. That, it's, that's what they do nowadays. Like now everyone's into like this whole Instapot fix. Like I was just ahead of the curve. You definitely were. <laughs> it wasn't instant. But... It was an instant. Yeah. Yeah. You would yeah. also leave it out for a while. It would just like be there <laughs> for a long ass time. <laughs> I like my food hot, you know, like we would study late into the night and sometimes you get hungry. Yeah, that's true. Beats going to Seven Eleven. I would, I would dare to venture and say that like all of us are eating better these days oh, now sure. that we have more money on our plate. My, my, yeah. my senior year diet was just like exclusively going to the dining halls and getting like a salad or a rice bowl, and then my dinner, maybe three or four times a week, was a subway sandwich. That's it. There were because I did not know how to cook. So I tell us more I about did, the subway sandwich. I would, I would always, I would almost always get the same thing. I would get like a, either a grilled chicken breast sandwich or a tuna Mm -hmm. salad sandwich. And then I would just toss a bunch of hot sauce on it because I just never bought groceries. And I like, didn't know even like where to start cooking. Um, So I was just like, this is easier. And I just did that. I don't think I cooked, I cooked maybe one or two times all through college, which is ridiculous. What, what is the best given that you're an expert of uh subway sandwiches dan what was the best subway sandwich combination get honestly tuna salad with like hot sauce especially like not not the hot sauce they have here like if you have like a sweet hot sauce at home is surprisingly good and and sherbin put me onto that one Mm. um we we, like i i bought a new hot sauce off the internet and he was like oh like let's go get a sandwich and so he told me like get tuna salad and put it on and put the hot sauce on and it was phenomenal i had that for so much my senior year until i ran out of the hot sauce it was, was like what was the name of the hot sauce uh it was called dirty dicks and it oh, is oh okay 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 it is That's a sweet hot, hot sauce oh. it's on the show hot ones on youtube it was Ooh, like yeah. one of the seasons a few years ago uh really good uh but i cannot enter a subway anymore because i've had, just had <laughs> it so much like it was it was disgusting 
Uh, so I don't think I will ever, ever, ever eat at a Subway ever again. It's just like way <laughs> too much of one chain for in one person's life. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I remember, um, you know, I think all up until sophomore year, I would never dream of going to a um, a 7-Eleven and eating like their hot foods but I know you guys you guys would go there a lot and you guys made it look really good like I am a fan of their Tokitos I I will I would you know I eat healthy now but if you gave me a taquito from 7-Eleven I'd eat it I'd enter Nirvana if you gave me a chicken taquito from them I, you know, I'd, I'd rarely partake in actually eating the 7-Eleven food. I would just, like, go and observe you know, Victor <laughs> and, like, Jason. Just, like, grab a bunch. What I, right. what I would always buy from 7-Eleven, like, super late at night was the – it's not a 7-Eleven item, but they always had the cookie ice cream sandwiches. Mm. I, would, I would get those, like, on a super late night, and I would just, like, have that. Um, but, no, I would, I would not rare, uh, often get the, the hot dogs and the chicken wings that Victor loved so much. Yeah, a lot of people talk about like having like no regrets with their college experience. Like if I were to go back, I'd absolutely do it differently. I think I think it was like not healthy in retrospect. And uh, I disagree with you, Kavona. I'm gonna have to respectfully disagree on the taquitos. Like I, I, I can't eat taquitos anymore, actually. Really? Yeah, yeah, my brother made taquitos the other day and I was like, I just can't, it just brings me back to a, it, if I, you ate really bad for a long period of time, it definitely like ruins certain foods for you. Yeah, yeah. So Dan, how how much longer are you going to be on this health fix? Like how long? I know that for for those of you guys listening, like Dan is a is a is a consultant, so he eats out all the time, and he, and because of quarantine, he's I, I think he's started to cook for his for himself now. Like what what differences have you uh, have you started to see? Um. You know, when you're traveling, it's really hard to eat healthy, especially if you're traveling to like random areas. Um, I was in Princeton, New Jersey for a really long time. So there's a lot of food there, but you still end up eating a lot of like uh, fast food, even though they have like fancy restaurants there and you can't really cook for yourself in a hotel. So that always made it hard. But as long as I'm not, you know, traveling right now, I'd like to continue cooking for myself and make it more of a habit and just like cook for myself more often. Cause also, you know, New York City is expensive and it's a little cheaper than eating out every time, even if you're eating healthy. Um, when I was traveling, I would just go to like just salad and get a salad for lunch almost every single day when I was home. Mm. Um, and then I would do like dig in for dinner. So it, it really adds up if, if you're living at home constantly. But so, I guess it was prob- healthy. It sounds like you, you still tried to keep it healthy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was, I mean, like since college, I've been decently good at making sure I'm not like eating total garbage, but it's a lot easier <laughs> when you know exactly what you're putting into the bowl. Uh, right. And like you're, you're cooking everything yourself. So you know exactly like how, how much oil you're using and everything like that. Uh, but you know, before everything got shut, shut down, I was still going out all the time with my friends and like going to restaurants. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like the, you know, the best part of it being in New York, a lot of amazing food. So I'm not going to stop going out to eat and I'm not going to just like order the salad. If I go to a really nice restaurant, I think the benefit of, of eating healthy is that you have the opportunity to like eat what you want as long as like you're active and like you're healthy on most days and uh, you don't have to limit yourself on the days you want to like go out and try in a restaurant. Would you, would you say that your meat intake has gone up or gone down during oh, coronavirus? I, I eat so much protein. I do a lot. It's cause I, I, you know, there's like all those like different calculators and apps on like how much protein you're supposed to have for your height and your body weight. And I eat a lot. I need like 160 grams. Which, oh, wow. which is a really high amount. So not only do I eat a lot of meat, I, I do like two servings of whey protein a day. 
I, I haven't been lifting as much. So my, my parents, when I was with them, they have like a home gym. So they have like an adjustable weight thing and they have like a bench and a bunch of different stuff. So right now I'm kind of limited to, to push-ups and squats without any weight just because everything's sold out on Amazon. Uh, but I still try to do the protein every, every, every day just so I'm not like losing things I've built up. But yeah, it's a lot. I do a lot of meat. And meat doesn't have that much calories, especially if you're not cooking it in oil and or like putting a lot, frying it or anything like that. Oh. So you can you can eat a good amount and not like and if you're trying to hit certain goals. I know a lot of people do like that protein shake thing after their workouts. Like, are you are you a believer or or, or non believer? You know, I'm definitely not the person to be like the fitness icon. I'm very much a beginner in all those as- <laughs> retrospects. But it's like very easy way to get a lot of protein. Uh, it's like super super convenient and like those massive bags are like pretty cheap considering how many servings you get out of them so if you're like low on protein uh it's it's a good way to supplement and a lot of people recommend it from what i've read so wait so dan uh, i know you're in new york um are a lot of the restaurants closed right now um or are they just starting to reopen so six weeks ago when i left everything was shut down right now everything is still closed for seating but a lot of the restaurants have like figured out their whole takeout situation. So now you can line up outside, like it's six feet apart and you can either order online or like order there and like pick up food and go. So most restaurants that have adapted are, are open now, which is a good portion of them. Um, but, and, and delivery is still going on as, as it was from the beginning, but obviously nothing's open for seating. Uh, but there's actually a good, a good amount of food selection going on. Which is, which is pretty good. It's nice to see a lot of the places are, are operating and then that people are still buying from it. Because I actually, I love the restaurants around my ha- neighborhood, so I'm glad that they're still going strong. Gotcha. I guess something I'm like just curious, it's a little bit off topic, but I thought of like your turkey and your chicken and, um, you know, like, like grocery shopping wise, it's like easy over here in SoCal because things are like spread apart. And so people just kind of like go grocery shopping as usual. How is like the grocery shopping experience in New York? So they have um, early hours for elderly people and immunocompromised people. So it's usually like seven to nine or something like that uh, is only for a specific subset of people. And then after that, everyone can come in. Um, every, every store, including grocery stores, has like a capacity limit. So I think it's like 25% of what they're usually allowed to let in. So they have someone at the door check counting the number of people in and out. Oh, interesting. Um, the Trader Joe's near me has like markings on the sidewalk that go around the block to tell people where to stand in line for for six feet apart and then they have someone on the line who like directs you to make sure that you're like far enough apart and actually once you get in the store like everything's fully stocked at this point and my shopping experience has been better because that trader joe's gets like super packed like insanely Uh, packed it's it's now now that that it's like a fourth of the amount of people uh it's actually once you get in it's a lot easier to do your shopping and then everything's fully stocked at this point i went on like a friday at like 3 p.m and I, I got everything I needed. It wasn't a problem at all. And uh, after I got inside, it was like 20 minutes um, and it was like 20 minutes outside. So all in all, it's pretty, pretty good for a New York City grocery shopping experience. And even, even all the bodegas are, are fully stocked as well. Uh, do you have a favorite grocery store that you like to go to in New York? Uh, it's definitely, I definitely go to the Trader Joe's because it's like the cheapest near me. Um, I, if I'm like super lazy, I'll, I'll go to the bodegas just because they're like never, there's never a line there. They have like the necessities. They'll have like meats and rice and, and some fruit and stuff like that. Uh, but it's a little more expensive. So I try to go to Trader Joe's and, and get everything there. And they have a, a much wider selection, obviously. Does, uh, your... 
Oh no, we're gonna go for it. <laughs> I'm just so I'm just so I love the fact that you shop at Trader Joe's. I mean, I know like some people say, you know, I don't like Trader Joe's, I don't like the frozen stuff. Other people are like, I live off that frozen stuff. What what are your go-tos at Trader Joe's? I'm just so curious about that. Ooh. I've, I've, a lot of people have been talking to me about the Trader Joe's frozen stuff. What I usually get is the, the turkey meatballs because they're super convenient. Mm -hmm. um, and if I'm feeling lazy for lunch or dinner and I haven't like cooked up a big batch of anything for the next few days, I'll just heat up a few of those. But the recommendation I got today was their, their gnocchi, which is supposedly mm, yes. very good. Yes. Very There's good. like a few different flavors. There, what is there? There's like the garlic and like the the cauliflower and like a bunch of others, mm -hmm. but that's what I'm going to pick up next. And I'm going to try that out as well. But mainly like when I go Trader Joe's shopping, I just stock up on a bunch of fruits. I, I go through berries a lot. I eat a lot of like blueberries and raspberries and I can go through like a little carton in a day. So I try to stock up on a bunch of those and I try to get a bunch of bananas for breakfast and stuff. Cause I like to mix it in with oatmeal. Um, and so let's then talk I just about, get a bunch of meat. Got it. So let's talk about like process a little bit. So I, I'm the one that to go to a grocery store with no plan at all. I same. just, oh, you're the you're exact same way. Exact same way. You I'll, construct I'll, meal. Yeah, I construct based <laughs> on what I see. Like, I'll, I'll know, like, oh, I'm out of fruit this week. Like, I should go pick up some fruit. So I'll pick up, like, blueberries and raspberries or whatever's there. And then I'll think about, like, oh, you know, I'm, I, I should probably pick up some yogurt because I have no more yogurt. So I have, like, a few things in mind that I want to restock, but then I'll just kind of wander around and, like, see what's out there, especially the frozen section because – I'm very lazy, so the frozen food is, is, is where it's at. If I, if I, there will, there will definitely be a day where I'm like, I don't want to cook anything because I don't want to spend the time cleaning the pots and pans after. So the frozen food is the nice alternative on those days. I, I'm, yeah, I guess know. I'm a nerd. Like I make Ooh. a list um, because I, I go to Whole Foods um, because it's like spacious and Publix is just as expensive as Whole Foods. So I'm like, I might as well just go to Whole Foods then. Um, so I noticed I used to just, I used to like do chop and like, you know, if I see something on the shelf, I'll grab it. I'll make a combination. I'll just like grab anything and everything. And my grocery bill would be astronomically high. So now like to kind of restrain myself, I'll make a list and, you know, I'll go off lists every now and then, but you know, I try to save money and I like stick to the list. <laughs> No, that makes sense. Like somebody told me like a while ago not to go grocery shopping while hungry. And, like, <laughs> it's awful. awful. Yeah. Because <laughs> you just buy like more snacks and stuff. So I guess keeping a list is definitely probably the way to go. But yeah, like, I I, yeah, go, go for it, Dan. No, I was just saying when I don't plan it out, I definitely run into the situation where I don't buy enough and I have to go back the next week, which is what you want to do either. Mm -hmm. But I'm also, I'm a little bit constrained because my fridge is, is tiny, unfortunately. So I, I try to like pack it full to get like a nice two, three week supply of food, but that's, that's, that's rare to happen. I usually end up having to go back every like eight or nine days. So when you guys like want to make like specific dishes, um, like, like last Mother's Day, Mother's Day, last Sunday, I was trying to make like a noodle dish for my mom. And like some of the ingredients like I had in my fridge, like garlic and ginger and all that kind of stuff. Like, do you guys like go shopping ever? Like, with the attention of like making something or do you guys just buy whatever? I already know your answer is going to be Dan, but like <laughs> do you guys just buy whatever <laughs> and then whatever you have, you just kind of play chop in your own kitchen sort of thing. 
No, I, I think I might surprise you. I actually have done that, like where I, I know uh -huh. I want to make something. It's usually for uh, like, a, like a special occasion or something or like uh, someone wants to cook something in particular or I want to cook something in particular, but I will go and I'll, I'll check what I have and fill up on the missing ingredients to, to make the dish. I, I rarely like buy whatever and I'm like, oh, I'll figure it out later just because I don't know how to cook that well. Like I can prepare the individual ingredients, but I, I don't really know how to like make different dishes. So without like a step-by-step -step instruction, I'm going to be totally lost. Same. So if, if I'm mm. going in to make a dish, I know what I'm going to make. So I'm just like picking out the ingredients from there that I'm missing from, from my cabinet. But luckily, you know, Sam's an amazing cook. So he has like all, like the cabinet was full of spices with like a bunch of stuff I haven't even heard of. So yeah. we pretty much have everything we need. It's just like the, the actual ingredients and the food. Uh, that I need rather than like the seasonings or the spices. For those of you um, listening in, in college, uh, uh, Daniel was also Sam's roommate and Daniel's come a long way because Sam and his girlfriend, Amy, basically just cooked food and fed Daniel. <laughs> yeah. I, I miss those days. They have not fed me in quite some time. It's quite upsetting, which I understand. I think everyone's on more of a budget, but like before there would just be like leftovers all the time and they'd be like, you want? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Uh, I haven't gotten leftovers in a good amount of time. It's quite upsetting because they cook way better than I do. So what do you guys have in your fridges and your cabinets at like at all times? If you're, even if you have food, quote unquote, or you don't have food, like what are the essentials you have? Um, I think for me, I'll always like to have some kind of fruit in there. Just because, especially now that I'm working from home all the time, I'll get like bored. So I'll get like snacky mm. and definitely want some uh, food, uh, some fruit in there. Cause that's what I like to snack on. I'll do berries or like a pear or orange or kiwis, whatever, whatever I'm able to get at the grocery store. So that's always in there. Um, another thing I need is eggs because my breakfast is usually either I'll do like an instant pack of oatmeal and toss some bananas in there, or I'll do um, like, I'll make myself an egg sandwich. I'll fry up two eggs put them on bread. If I have avocado, I'll put some avocado on there. If I have turkey sausage or some kind of sausage, I'll include that, toss some hot sauce on that. And I like to do that for breakfast every few days. Um, so yeah, eggs and fruit are big. And then some kind of meat in the freezer. If I don't have anything in the freezer, I'm definitely gonna have to go shopping because then uh, it will be ordering out constantly. <laughs> yeah, for me, it would definitely, I, I agree. Like the eggs is, is, is a must have. The other staple that I like always have to have is peanut butter it's yeah. like and, and it can't be and it can't be the the preserved one it has to be like organic trader joe's like like no like palm oil all that stuff and it has to be like pure peanuts because i consume so much of that wow yeah oats like lentils beans a lot of like dried food just to like you know keep it stapled for me it's it's always like rice and beans and hummus is always kind of like mm -hmm. the staple like meal I've come a long way, I know, um, but those those two. And spices-wise, it'd probably have to be like, just like salt, pepper, and uh, maybe some lemon. <laughs> Nothing oh, man. too complicated. Man, you guys sound so fancy. I, I literally just have, um, what was it? I'm looking at my cabinets right now. I literally have Honey Nut Cheerios and instant noodles at all times. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's why I love my start podcast. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are making me so hungry right now. Like, <laughs> honey nut Cheerios or, or the or the ones without honey. Honey nut Cheerios. I I yeah. I need that sugar. Feel <laughs> you. Yeah. Um. So Dan, like, 
when when it's safe to leave our homes and you know when you know coronavirus is um gone eventually what what restaurant or what meal do you are you craving to get uh, i'd love to have some sushi mm. i could definitely i could definitely order sushi um as is right now but it i think it's be always best it, yeah it's not the same like food restaurant food doesn't deliver that well even if it's not that far um and sushi is one of those things you should have fresh and New York has amazing sushi all over. So looking forward to that. There's uh, a bunch of places in the area that I would love to go back to once they're fully open. How about, uh, how about you, Victor? It'd probably have to be like, once it's fully over, over, it's got to be like a buffet, like, a, like an all-you-can-eat. I'm, I'm really sad that like soup plantation closed down and everything, but like I'm a big fan of just like going with your family, your friends, and just having like, just eating stuffing face mm. i miss buffets i miss buffets too um <laughs> what was it i i like the crab legs at buffets i do it all wrong well i guess not like i guess they're charging you a flat rate so you might as well get all the expensive stuff so i just Dude. go ham on the on the, like the prime rib Capono, you and like the, the crab my dad does that oh really <laughs> yeah he gets mad at me when i don't eat the crab legs he's like victor we paid 30 bucks to get in here yeah, fucking crab legs. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah, like I'm, I'm not gonna waste my time on the salad. I'm not gonna get any rice. Like I can get that at home. I'm just gonna get the crab legs. <laughs> well, nice. Well, Dan, I wanna I wanna thank you very much for inviting us to your home. Well, I, I invite is a light. Like, we're using that liberally. We kind of barged in on you, so. Um, I want to call your meal Dan's Delight. That's an excellent name. Brown I think it is delightful. Brown rice, Dan's Delight. It's Dan's great. Delight. Well, don't make it sound great. so basic. There's tomatoes in there. There's seasoning. <laughs> it's not just a bunch of ground turkey and a bunch of brown rice. It's, it's, it's prepared. There's, there's, there's spices and seasoning. Combines well. It sounds it's good. good. It sounds good. It's a good, it's a good light dinner. Yeah. It could fill you up if you have a lot of it. Ooh. And uh, definitely not barging in. You guys are always welcome. Always happy to have you guys. Thanks, Dan. Well, I'm pretty full, but uh, Victor and I, we got to make our way to our next stop. Uh, next yeah. stop. Uh, cool. Thank well, you, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Stay safe. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. You as well. Stay safe. It took us a while to get to this destination. Uh, we're in the Netherlands. Believe it or not, we had to, you know, we had to take some time to get our passports approved and visas and all the such. But we're here. We're here in the Netherlands. We're here with our dear friend, Sierra. Say hello, hey. Sierra. Hey, what's up? So thank you so much for letting us into your apartment. Uh, we've been camped out here for a couple of hours. But we're so thankful you let us in. Um, <laughs> thank you, Sierra. It's very yeah, hot outside. It's super hot, I know. <laughs> We're so tired and hungry, and we're so fortunate you, you're willing to give us food. What have you prepared for today? So uh, you came right in the middle of uh, working hours, so I really don't have, I didn't have much time to prep anything, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but I did prep uh, some steamed Dutch curry satay buns that I found from the local supermarket. So I don't know if you can wrap your head around that, but uh yes <laughs> and uh, i also put some vegetables in the steamer so that's what we're having today for 
our meal. <laughs> the the audience nice. can't see right now, but Victor's mind is blown. Yeah, my mouth is literally <laughs> watering right now. That bun looks like very, 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 very steamy, very, very soft, and um, the pinnacle of frozen fruits. Right? I would, <laughs> I would say. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Is this an is this, is this a Dutch market that you went to? Um, no, actually, it's just the local Dutch. Yeah, well, it's the local Dutch supermarket. So it's whatever they have across the Netherlands. And um, if you go to their frozen aisle at the bottom, there is uh, there are two different types of steamed buns you can buy. <laughs> one of them is this curry Dutch satay bun, and the other one is just meat. So I definitely wanted to try something different that was authentic. I don't know. So do they do they have a lot of curries uh, in the Netherlands and Europe in general? Um, so I think it's kind of different in the Netherlands because there's a lot of Suriname people, and mm -hmm. um, in Suriname there are also a lot of Indians because I mean Suriname was once, and I think it's still part of kind of the Dutch, yeah whole empire i would i don't know how to describe mm -hmm. it it's a, it's a big empire it's a bit yeah <laughs> historically, so, yes. historically so um dutch food is kind of i mean it's a mixture of local dutch cuisine which is quite straightforward like vegetables meat but then you also have like Suriname influence and there are a lot of where there's a lot of indians and also chinese there oh, um nice. there's also south africans so uh, a lot of South Africans also have like some Dutch history and mm, yeah. and also Indonesia. So there's actually like different types of spices, not necessarily like the curry you'd imagine like India, but uh, you have all these other different types of spiced meals that, yeah, are unique to the Netherlands, I'd say. Right. We've, we've read a lot about the Dutch spice trade in our history books, and we're excited to actually be here to see the real deal. Um, so thank you, Sierra, for walking us through the grocery store. Um, just for the viewers a little bit, what's, what's, what are kind of the differences between a U.S. grocery store maybe and something that you might find in a, in a Dutch market? Yeah, so... Um... I think one one difference you'd probably notice is the size. In the U.S., we have huge supermarkets like Excel, wholesalers, the Costco's. Um, I don't know, like everything that's big and oversized. Um, but here in the Netherlands, they're much smaller and they're kind of all like within walking distance because everyone bikes there. And the frequency of you going to the store is like almost... Okay, besides not because after before COVID, it was maybe like once or twice a week, at least maybe up to every other day, I would go to the supermarket to buy food right after work. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, with COVID, it's a little different now. So the size is really different. Um, I would say the selection of cheese is larger here. Uh -oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, a lot of harder cheeses like Gouda, 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 I can't remember how to pronounce it anymore in English. Right, no one knows. The Gouda? Yeah. Gouda. 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 It's, Gouda. Gouda. I, it's, it's pronounced Gouda, right? Yeah, yeah. I like Gouda. 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 <laughs> Gouda. The yeah. So there's a lot more cheeses. Um, yeah, I think a lot of more dairy products. But in terms of ethnic cuisines, I would say you have to go to a specific supermarket for that. So there and, are a lot of Do they have stores. those specific 
ethnic supermarkets are they hard to come by there are quite a few of them where i'm living in rotterdam netherlands Mm. um but i'd have to travel more north towards like the chinatown side and Mm. and there's also like there's a polish supermarket in front of my house and a turkish there's a lot of turkish restaurants too i I eat a lot of uh uh, kebabs and durham donors here so (laughs) it's a big culture of falafels and wraps from the Middle East. So, Sierra, I know that you said um, in the Netherlands there's a wide array of cuisines um, Mm. across the world. What is one cuisine uh, that you really take a liking to? Ooh, yes. Oh, sorry, from the Netherlands or from... Oh, just any any cuisine that you've you've eaten in during your time in in the Netherlands. Oh, yeah. So, um, I would say bitterballen. And oh, what's that? I don't know if you know bitterballen. <laughs> my my friend and I actually we tried to start this Instagram page, uh, which failed. We only had like three posts, but we would go to different bars and eat bitterballen, which are like they're like breaded croquettes. They're like croquettes actually. Oh, um, but nice. Shaped as balls, and they're made from like beef stock, um, butter, parsley mustard and it's like kind of a gooey inside um that you eat with like yeah you eat it usually with beer uh when you're going out with friends and yeah we were trying to evaluate bitter balling all over rotterdam but yeah sadly with everything that's going on that we can't do that anymore um but i think bitter balling is probably like close to the top i also buy the frozen ones which are from the oven uh yeah, no, it's and it's also like quite a Dutch cuisine. Yes. Oh man, I just Sierra, I just want to tell you, with our rise in popularity with this podcast, bitter ball and <laughs> sales are going to go. This is going to skyrocket. I, <laughs> I hope can't. so. I, Don't I, be I surprised hope. if they skyrocket. Don't be surprised <laughs> if it's hard to find Sierra once you know things settle uh, down. Yeah, I mean we don't have in the U.S., <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that like after this podcast, you're going to have like food trucks selling bitter ball and now. <laughs> Oh yeah, all those bars. Bitterball's gonna be on demand. And so we all went to Cornell. Um, I met you through the Cornell Filipino Association. Mm-hmm. Uh, what What's your favorite Filipino food to eat? And can you describe what Filipino is to to the viewers that uh, don't know what it is? Sure. Um, so uh, my favorite is sinigang. Yeah, Sinigang or Sinigang. <laughs> um, there was a dance troupe at Cornell, like yeah, shout yeah. out to CFA Sinigang. Um, but Sinigang is uh, it's a stew made from uh, tamarind base, so it's actually sour. Ooh. And you add lots of vegetables like tomato, spinach, uh, I think, yeah, onions. And you can add either fish or pork that you boil in the soup and everything is poured over rice. So it's quite, it's, it's very traditional. I wouldn't say it's kind of like, because Filipino food is, uh, is known to be kind of a melting pot of Chinese, Malay, mm-hmm. and Indian cuisine. Oh, and Spanish, of course. Yeah. So this is kind of more of the traditional Filipino food, which is sour. And sour is very particular to Filipino cuisine. I don't know any other cultures huh. that are like sour yeah sour based 
but a lot of our food, like we have tamarind is huge. We love eating green mangoes. Um, we love to put vinegar on all of our fish. So we always yep, dip yep. our fish in vinegar, <laughs> even our deep fried fish. Um, and ferment everything with like pickle, like pickles. <laughs> like pickles. Yeah. pickles. We're waiting for you to bring that yeah. up. Yeah, we're, we're just waiting for you to name drop that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like your, your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Like that moment yeah, but- in a book where you read the title and you're like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> That's that moment. <laughs> we just broke down the fourth wall. Oh. <laughs> No, but that sourness thing is really interesting. I, I guess in other cultures, they use sour flavors as sort of the accent to cut through <laughs> the fattiness and to make yeah. it not so rich. But it's interesting for you to say that a lot of your dishes or, or a lot of Filipino dishes are based with sourness as the theme. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it probably goes historically, like, like the Philippines is a really warm country. So mm-hmm. usually if you want to keep something stored in hot temperatures, like you should just reduce the pH so you can kill off some microbio- microorganisms that are harmful, which is by adding sour vinegar um, oh, or adding from- some sort of bacteria that reduces the, the, the pH and increases the acidity. So. Yeah, those are kind of ways, like, or if, if not, you get food poisoning or something, so. <laughs> That's really Wait. interesting. Wow. Yeah, because are, my, oh, sorry, go for it, Kimono. Oh, no, 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 you can, you can go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, because, so my mom grew up in a tropical place, too. Um, oh. She grew up in Brunei, uh, oh. which is next to Malaysia. Um, mm. And she said that the food is sour and spicy because mm. it's hot all the time. You don't have an appetite to eat ever. Mm. And so her parents <laughs> would make sour and hot food to induce eating mm. for the family. But it's interesting that you're a food science major and this is your specialty and career. And it's mm. cool to hear it from a storage fermentation pH perspective. Yeah, that's true. And I think, as you said, like spices, spices are also another way of preserving. Like we add spice, we add salt, we add uh, acids to mm-hmm. kill off harmful microorganisms in the same way. Like, or you add all three of them so they all work together. You know, so it's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually forgot to say this. Sierra, can you tell the um, viewers uh, why you're in the Netherlands um, and what, what you're doing in the Netherlands? Yeah, uh, so I'm doing my master's right now. I'm about to finish in two weeks, actually, but I've been here oh, for nice. two years. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I have to do my thesis defense in two weeks, so that's kind of scary. Um, but I, I'm studying in Bacheningen University here in the Netherlands, and it's a big agricultural school. Um, and why the Netherlands? Well, the Netherlands is the second largest producers of food in the world after the United States. So we export um, a majority of the food that's produced here um, for a country that's like 270 times the land mass of the U.S. So that's kind of crazy. <laughs> um, and here in the Netherlands, like they've been so efficient with the way that they produce food that, um, yeah, that 
it's, it's kind of become a hub for food companies, um, which is also why the university itself has been quite recognized for agriculture and life sciences. Um, and here in the Netherlands too, like Unilever was born out of, yeah, there's JDE, oh, yeah. which is, a, um, yeah, there's also Mars, Mars Confectionery, their largest chocolate factory is here. Um, so there's a lot of big food companies and a lot of industry. Um, so this was kind of the place for me to go do my master's after Cornell Food Science. And uh, yeah, so it's been a really fun two years uh, studying in the Netherlands. But my first year actually I was in um, Sweden, France and Ireland as well doing my studies. So we were getting more of the industry perspective from different mm countries um, i'm so jealous right now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but i'm also studying you guys are like actually working so <laughs> right. wait yeah. so i have a very important question to ask you mm -hmm. you said that mars confectionery one of the largest chocolate producers right in the world mm -hmm. is it is is the factory a lot like the willy wonka chocolate factory <laughs> and have you received a golden ticket oh my ticket? gosh yes it's it's almost <laughs> an exact replica capono <laughs> i'm not gonna lie no <laughs> minus the oompa loompas but, are, yeah, there, are there oompa loompas are there oompa loompas you know do with, they the amount of, with the amount of um what is it attire we have to put on it's almost like we're all oompa loompas when we step into the factory <laughs> like we're yeah I, okay, I'm also promoting that I'm interning at Mars, so that's also why I know this stuff. But stock stock uh, is also going to go up after after people mm -hmm. listen to the show. So stock oh, in Mars sure. company, it's going to go up. It's going to skyrocket. So yep. yeah, invest I'm, guys. I'm sure. Invest. Yeah, it's exactly like Willy Wonka. <laughs> no, but it, they they actually it's really cool. They have um, they produce all the chocolate for Europe and parts of. Uh, the Middle East, um, Russia has, I think, their own plant. But yeah, for all of Europe, it's all based here in the Netherlands. So it's quite nice. It's huge. I, so I visited once. If you were to compare the chocolate in Europe mm -hmm. in, in comparison to the chocolate in the US, is it is it much different? I think US chocolate is sweeter. <laughs> uh, oh. Yeah. I, and also the size, so the size of the chocolate pieces they have here are actually like much smaller, at least mm. the ones that are mm. commonly sold, whereas in the US they're a little bigger, like the typical Snickers bar big. Um, and yeah, I think sweetness is a big thing actually. I think Americans really love sweet stuff, sweet and salty. So you would say the European palate is a little bit toned down yeah in terms of sweetness so. mm -hmm. yeah and size too so. proportion <laughs> you have better portion control than we do <laughs> yeah, yeah i think any country would probably have yeah. better portion control than the u.s yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe oh yeah sierra I was it on your Instagram story today. I saw that you had a painting of some Filipino food. Oh yeah. <laughs> can can you tell us um, a little bit more about the paintings, like why you're doing it, and like and what you're painting, like how you get your inspiration? Mm. Uh, yeah, I 
during COVID, I've been trying to focus on um, what is it like focusing on self a bit more, let's say. Mm. Because before COVID, I was like, oh, every weekend, let's go travel. Let's go do something. Let's go explore. But because now that's all cut off and I can't really see my friends as often, I've been trying to find hobbies that I really haven't picked up since forever. So I ordered a bunch of art supplies, like I think 100 euros worth or more of art supplies for painting and watercolor. And I've been painting like, every week um mostly food pics of mostly mm. filipino food pics yeah uh just just because they're kind of it's a bit nostalgic to bring back some of these foods that i'm kind of lazy to cook at home here so you just paint them instead eat. that's beautiful yeah yeah so i just i feel like i'm eating them as i paint them um and i'm sharing them on instagram too a lot so everyone's been commenting on like oh this this makes me want to eat more or makes me want to have like my mom cook for me um yeah but i've, I've already painted maybe like 30 or so watercolor pictures wow. wow um and i've also painted like other random things like filipino dance um some other scenes in the philippines i've also just painted pictures of my friends eating food mostly all around food oh wow uh, yeah and just just little things uh that interest me so it's been a good hobby so far. I've like really grown a collection of this. This is going to be kind of a weird question, but when do you paint when you're very hungry and you're thinking of food? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> or is it after you finish a good meal and you think, dang, that was great. I'm going to go and paint that. <laughs> uh, I think it depends. Like, okay, it's usually not because I'm hungry. Usually because I'm just really tired and bored. (laughs) And I'm like, I've been on my computer all day. Let's go draw something. So, Mm. yeah, Mm. I usually do it, like, after work. But I'll do it till, like, midnight or something. (laughs) And then I'll do it for, like, consistently. Mm -hmm. I I know a lot of people, um, they, you know, they start food blogs and Instagram. They, you know, right before they you know, people have a saying, the camera eats first, right? So mm-hmm. once, you know, once we're able to leave our homes, stay at home orders, orders are done and we can somewhat resume a new normal and go out to restaurants, are you going to carry a blank palette and paint and whenever you sit down at a restaurant and you see like a meal, <laughs> are you just gonna paint it for, for 30 minutes before you eat it? Or are you gonna take a photo or? <laughs> Uh, probably take the photo first and then okay. eat and then paint later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should start this. We should definitely propagate this culture more. Instead of people taking pictures right. of their food, we should have people paint pictures of their food. Yeah. At the dinner table. At the dinner table. Yeah. <laughs> the only issue is that it like it takes me hours to paint, so. Oh, <laughs> Are they yeah. all in watercolor? I've done watercolor and acrylic and Ooh. then just some sketches. Ooh. So do you have yeah. an art background or is this just something that relieves stress and you just kind of yeah. do it at the end of the day? So um when I was applying to college, I was considering whether to be a food scientist or mm-hmm. uh artist like cultural anthropology and art Ooh, <laughs> clearly I went towards nice. the food path but I didn't I did always have 
kind of a passion for art that I that I let come to my life once in a while and this is kind of the moment <laughs> yeah but I used to like I used to cartoon for the high school newspaper and um, yeah I took a lot of art classes growing up Victor are you a, are you a good artist are you good at drawing Victor uh, I, I think the if you bend the term and definition of artist <laughs> yeah, <are you? laughs> and be very liberal with it in some way, shape, or form, yes. Not in terms of painting. Okay. I went through a two or three week phase where I was drawing things, mm. um, but there was no structure or anything to it. I would look at cats out my window and try to draw oh. them, stuff like that. Um, but they always turned out very, very ugly. Um, I think one time my brother picked up my notebook of my drawings and he oh, no. opened he opened it up and he asked me, are you okay? <laughs> oh no! The cats were so demented, but I was just trying to draw the cats to the best of my ability. Oh no! Victor, I think, <laughs> I think well, we can call you an abstract minimalist. Right. Hey. Right. <laughs> To say you're an abstract minimalist and it's, it's all good. I think that. <laughs> I think one of- day maybe, you know, it's, 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 in, it's in my bucket list to try to get really good at, at painting and, and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, that's, that's for another day, I guess. I suppose. <laughs> Aw, come on, this is the time to do it. <laughs> that's true, that's true. While you're locked in at home. I mean, you're in the Netherlands with me right now, right? So it's, you might as well. In Europe, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I want to just say to all the viewers, I'm taken away by the European scenery. This is my first time in Europe. <laughs> it is bustling out yeah. in the streets. You can very much feel the energy. Yeah, um, with the windmills in the distance and the cows booing. Mm. Cool. It takes me back to AP European history and all my dreams have come to fruition. I'm wow. glad to, to realize it. <laughs> <laughs> in the flesh. Well, I'm glad you're here with me exploring Europe in modern day life. So, so yeah, I, I wanted to ask you how, I guess, how you got into food science um, and what piqued your interest in, in heading that direction versus maybe going the culinary route or pursuing the artistic route. Mm. Uh, so actually, I have to say that my mom influenced me a lot. <laughs> she is a food scientist also. Um, oh. Yeah, I don't know if you knew that, actually, Kutono. No, but, no, I didn't. Yeah, she she's um, also in the same specialization as me. So I really just followed in her footsteps. Not that I wanted to, but I ended up like, I was like, no, I don't want to do the same thing as you. And then I ended up following the same path every time. Um, yeah, so I kind of had that influence growing up, like sitting in on her consumer tests and focus groups, because at the time she was working at Gillette, so it wasn't even food, but it was still sensory of, a sensory experience of shaving, mostly like for women and men. And, um, so I experienced that growing up. Um, but then she ended up going back to food, and then that was also like the same time that I applied to university, um, thinking yeah, that I'd probably want to do something in science. And then food science was kind of the best option for me. So that's kind of why I selected it in the end. Um, and I really like having the technical background that uh, maybe like 
I wouldn't have gotten in the arts, although I still think that it's good to complement whatever you do with something creative. Do you ever eat something, maybe like a chocolate bar or some, mm -hmm. um, or some candy and, and think, I'd love to test the pH of that. <laughs> or I can make it better. So I think they could do a way better job in this aspect of the food. I guess my question is, does your profession bleed into how you perceive food? I think um, is it subconsciously, yeah, I guess so. Um, yes, like for instance, I remember eating this Cheeto pack because I really love Cheetos. And Ooh. one experience I had, I was just, of a Cheetos product was really bad. Like it just tasted like cardboard. And you're like, what happened to this product? <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, I know that they're just trying to like, I just know like in the industry, we're trying to reduce mm -hmm. costs sometimes, but we're trying to maintain the flavor, um, but also to like reduce for health reasons. Um, there are a lot of reasons why we tried to, or like if we're changing ingredients. So in my mind, I'm like, I know why they're doing this, and I know that it's not working in this product right now. And like there was not like the consumer studies or like the sensory evaluation of the product that was properly conducted or something went wrong that made this product not taste like the Cheetos that I experienced. So yeah, I think there's like times like that where I'm like, what the? Do you, do you think that ruins the experience of you like trying out these foods? Like now that you know so much about like what goes into it, do you think mm -hmm. the novelty of trying these things has gone down or do you think it's it's enhanced your, your experiences? I think it's mostly enhanced it for sure. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think my relationship to food is, is yeah, I guess stronger um, in that nice. I don't see, I mean, I think some people really think about quality, about oh, like originality, I don't know, or like local versus um, produced globally, I think I can kind of see in the back of my mind what the pros and cons of uh, why we do certain things that we do, like why do we mass produce food? Um, because it's more efficient, we can also produce more for um, less of uh, a cost on our environment. So there are certain things that kind of tick with me better versus if I didn't have that experience, I'd probably think, well, okay, I prefer to buy only locally grown. I only prefer to buy foods that are um that have no preservatives or blah 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 but there's there are reasons behind it and um it also makes you not fear as much of like the ingredients that people talk about mm -hmm. like oh what is what is msg for instance or what is <laughs> xanthan gum, gum. Like, yeah they look so <laughs> ugly in the label but they're actually important things and they're not harmful to you um they've been proven not to be so like it makes you kind of accepting of a lot of these ingredients that we see in our foods that yeah this is a kind of off the wall question but i i buy a lot of hummus yeah. um, <laughs> from grocery stores and one thing i do notice is that xanthan gum is always a, an ingredient um mm -hmm. in those hummus do you mind educating us about the purpose of something like xanthan gum and why we shouldn't be necessarily afraid of it yeah, I can try to explain. I'm not the best with functional ingredients, but um, from what I know, uh, xanthan gum is a water binder, so it allows um, it allows the product to retain its moisture. Whereas if you didn't really have that, you could see that 
in a few days, water might separate. Um, it also allows it to have kind of that texture, uh, kind of that smooth and sometimes, I don't know how you describe, I don't know exactly like the texture of hummus, how to describe it myself. It's all good. But <laughs> it Pasty, sort of. Right. It's pasty, yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, it provides that. And it, um, chrysanthemum, it, it kind of, it's more of a, a texture enhancer in that sense. Um, and then in terms of like microbiological reasons, as, as I said, like water, water can, um, water can it, promote the growth of a lot of microorganisms. So it's good that the water can be bonded to, or like, kept within the product so that it doesn't spoil the product in the end, whether it's just like a spoiled deterioration, like it just doesn't taste good or if it actually will produce something harmful for you. Wow. Well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because my salsa that I buy doesn't have xanthan gum in it and the water always separates and it goes yeah. faster. <laughs> so that makes a ton of sense now that you say mm -hmm. that. I mean, they add xanthan to so many different things like pasta sauces like I've seen it added to like you know when um and crackers sometimes uh you have little particles on them like sometimes that then also acts as a binder for those particles depending mm -hmm. on how you put it um yeah it's yeah I'm just thinking a lot of sauces in general ice cream they add xanthan as well yeah yeah I guess another question I have is as, as somebody that loves MSG and umami Mm -hmm. And I know MSG has gotten a bad rep and has mixed reviews um, mm -hmm. from everybody that you talk to. What, what is your expert opinion <laughs> about the, about MSG? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you all know about like the Chinese restaurant syndrome. That... Oh yeah, I'm well aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I it, I think it's kind of kind of bogus actually. It really is. Wait, what? Um, <laughs> It's bogus. No, I mean, okay, because yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not because of MSG. So, um, MSG is actually uh, it's derived from an amino acid, which are the building blocks of proteins in our body. And so, the amino acid is glutamic acid, um, but it's kind of the salt version. So it's monosodium glutamate. Yeah, MSG. <laughs> and it was found to produce savory notes in a lot of foods. So uh, in a lot of Asian cooking, um, actually soy, soybeans produce MSG. There's a lot of uh, MSG naturally occurring in soy, oh, even tomatoes. Tomatoes have a lot of MSG in it already. So um, MSG just provides that umami savory characteristics uh, in your mouth. Right, it's concentrated and in, in, instead of having to put tomatoes in everything, you can... Yes. It's, well, actually, it. tomatoes have quite a lot. Um, and if you puree it, I think it's it's almost the same amount. I don't need... I think... I can't actually recall off the top of my head. But there's quite a lot of MSG in tomatoes. So if anything, the rest... Like, the Chinese restaurant syndrome should be the same for, like, also Italian restaurants. Um, but yeah, it's it's really just for flavor, um, and it's also gotten it's gotten a lot of bad rep. Um, but that's just because of misconception of what the actual ingredient is. It's mm. it's always it's been around forever, um, and I don't know. Maybe we could speculate that maybe the restaurant syndrome 
Chinese restaurant syndrome is probably from like other things like could be from oil. Oil can disrupt your your stomach as well. And I don't know, other other ingredients. Well, thanks so much, Sierra, for, for inviting us over to the Netherlands and uh, just sharing these curry buns with us. Curry buns were delicious. <laughs> yeah, they were oh, so delicious. <laughs> I rejuvenated. I'm so glad we're in the Netherlands. I'm ready to <laughs> swim across the ocean back to California now that oh, the flights wow. are canceled. <laughs> You're going to have to go through the Panama Canal, man. Like yeah, this. I was going to say, are you going around <laughs> South America? <laughs> That's what I love about you, Victor. You're hardcore. I really respect that. <laughs> right. We'll do anything for this podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We just came from the Netherlands, flew all the way to Chicago to, to visit Maddie, and we are here at her house. We've been waiting outside. It's, it's cold outside in Chicago. It's very cold outside. I, I think, you know, I, I saw a little speck of snow fall down. It's, it's May. I'm a little confused. I'm jet lagged. I'm tired, Victor. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely the shorts and the t-shirt aren't cutting it. And we're nope. freezing out here, Maddie. So please, please let us in. <laughs> okay, you can come in. All okay. right, thanks. <laughs> Took us long enough. <laughs> How's it going, Maddie? Good. How are you guys? Oh, we're good. You know, uh, you know, the peanuts on the airplane don't really cut it anymore. So uh, we're pretty hungry. Uh, you got what? peanuts, Pono? Huh? I think I was asleep. You're asleep? Yeah. The, oh. you know, the attendant must have missed me. <laughs> Don't worry, anyway, I have more yeah, peanuts inside. It's okay. Nice. Okay, got it. We see you're eating some chocolate chip cookies, Maddie. Yes, and it was great. I, I don't have any more, though. I ate them all. The neighbor brought them over because, you know, in this time of being bored and stuck at home, she's been mm -hmm. baking a lot. Oh, and nice. she said she bakes the cookies because she likes to eat the cookie dough, but she doesn't want the actual cookies, so she gave them all to us. <laughs> but I don't have any more, so... You can have peanuts. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Such a major letdown. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with peanuts. I love Wait, airplane peanuts. Maddie, you've been, we came all the way here because you said that we could mooch off of your food. You've been keeping right. it a mystery. What is this special meal that we're going to be sharing today? Um, so it will be a meal with multiple courses of just cornbread, if that's okay. That's that's totally fine. I wasn't as <laughs> I wasn't aware that there are different types of cornbread. It's, so there are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. So, like, is what? How do you make your cornbread? Well, that depends because I'm having multiple courses, so we're gonna make it every kind of way. Mm. But my preference is like a good box of Jiffy, just kind of the basic cheap version in my opinion nice so that's like a starter cornbread or is that yeah, more of a I main so. course porn okay okay and what would you say is a more desserty cornbread good question um i haven't started making it for you guys yet because you're you know earlier than i expected but we will be having a cornbread i made the other day which is topped with cinnamon and sugar Did I stun you? I, no, I think I think Kimono cut out. Huh, cinnamon sugar. Okay, okay, we're good. Wait. Yeah. 
Oh wait, I think I'm back. Yeah, sorry. Okay. So jet, All right, cool. lag. jet yeah. lag is kicking in. Yeah. So, wait. So, Maddie, when when you say that, like there's all these different types of cornbread, right? Yeah. I'm assuming you're baking it in a pan, right? A yeah, a pan one, or like one cheap glass. pan. Yeah, Pyrex. Okay. Yeah. So, do do you consider putting cornbread in the muffin, the muffin tins? Do you think is that a muffin or is that cornbread to you? Or is no, that corn muffin? Corn muffin. So are are we getting at corn muffins tonight, or is that no? Is that I'm just, sorry. Oh, okay. Just cornbread. We're gonna have multiple varieties of cornbread made in a pan. We have no muffins. No muffins. Okay, I like that. It's it's uh it's fluffier. It's a little bit chewier. Yeah, and well, the difference being, I think, on a corn muffin or any type of muffin is that you have like more. Well, there are more edges, obviously mm -hmm. exposed, so there's more like crispier or burnt parts. Mm. Whereas with cornbread, the inside of the bread is bound to be soft and you know not as darkened. So mm. we've got a lot of variety here. Nice. And if I may ask, how many hours did it take you to make all these different types of cornbread? Well, I'm still in the process, but. <laughs> Uh, I think we could go ahead and say about three and a half. Wait, three and a half hours? Three and a half days? Uh -huh. No. <laughs> three and a half weeks, I think. Three and a half weeks? Yeah. <laughs> did you, did she you grow the, the corn, corn fresh from the, from the field? Well, and there is a cornbread that you'll be eating which has corn pieces in it. Oh, so okay. That, okay. That was, that was a lifelong process. Mm. Got it. Got it. I think um, the last we... time I had cornbread was at the dining halls Ooh. and I am no cornbread expert, but the cornbread was good. And I put peanut butter on it. Thoughts. Mm. Okay. What is that? Like a protein filled snack? What would you eat that as? Was that dessert? Because I see cornbread as, as, as bread, you know, not really as a dessert. And okay. so I always think there's gotta be like a meat, or something in it. Ah, peanut butter's that meat for you. And peanut butter, yeah, yeah. Peanut butter is kind of that thing that holds <laughs> it together, the, the the glue, and it leaves me satiated. Otherwise, I just feel like I'm eating dessert. You know what I mean? Hmm. So I don't, mm, I don't know if I know what you mean because I would call cornbread just like a piece of an entree. Like I would eat cornbread like I would eat vegetables to complement an entree. It's just like another side. Got it. Got it. Mm. Oh, no, thought, thoughts <laughs> I, on I, this. Sorry. Sorry. I, I was just concentrating on what Victor said. It makes sense. I've never heard anyone say putting peanut butter on cornbread, but it makes sense because sometimes cornbread can get really sweet and a little syrupy, but the peanut butter cuts it. It's a little salty. It's a little tangy. Mm -hmm. So if you kind of kind of mix it in together, you have a whole experience. Have you ever had cornbread with honey in it? Oh, oh, oh that's that, sounds, that sounds like that's, a good idea. Really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that might be what honey. you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think a lot of times, I think I've only made cornbread once and it turned out to be a disaster. It was very, very dry. Um, Why? And what I happened? Think it was just probably left in the oven for too long. And the powder that, I think my mom had in the cabinet was probably four years expired. Okay. So oh, that'll do yeah. it. That'll do, do it. That'll do it. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I'm just the type to put peanut butter on everything. Um, I just love to just slather things. Um, 
So okay, but what kind of peanut butter? It's got to be organic. It's got to be organic without the salt and no okay. palm oil in it. That's healthy. Okay, wow, that was very specific. I kind of <laughs> just meant creamy or crunchy. Yeah, oh, sorry. I, I was kind of along the same vein too. <laughs> no, I, didn't, I didn't mean to freak you. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a smooth person. Okay, good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah that, that perfectly suits you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it crunchy. That. I'm a little rough around the edges, so. <laughs> I don't know about that. If only I had known that when we met Pono. No take backs. <laughs> um, one of the other side, not sides, one of the other pieces of your meal that you'll be eating is jalapeno cornbread. Yes. I'm not a big fan personally, huh. but are you guys? Yes. I'm making sure. it because I want to yes. appeal to everyone out yes. there, but I just, I don't know. Yes. I, I don't feel well about it. Can you explain why you like it? Oh, you don't feel well. I just think jalapenos are good on, on everything. It's my okay. second favorite pizza topping. Really? Yeah. What's your first? The first being mushrooms. Okay. That's good. I was afraid you were going to say pineapple and then the jalapenos. I was just going to be thrown. Right, right. Interesting. Um, but it, it seems like jalapenos are always a mixed bag depending on how many seeds there are and you don't want the cornbread to be overwhelmingly hot you know what i mean you want you want it for kind of that color in there to make Mm -hmm. it kind of fun Mm -hmm. but no one wants to bite into a cornbread and have their mouth scalding well and you better be careful because this is my first time making it so you don't know what you're about to get Man, did is there cheese? Is there cheese in the jalapeno cornbread? We can certainly top it with some cheese. I think maybe in the last five minutes in the oven, we can sprinkle some cheddar. Is that good? Brie? Yeah. Oh, I like brie too. (laughs) So this is part. So this is part three of the course. It's it's you got the jiff one. Yep. And I forget what the second one was, but the third one is the jalapeno one. Okay. Yes. Second one was the cornbread with the corn in it. With the corn in it. Mm, the corn in it. Mm-hmm. Third one's jalapeno. Fourth is your dessert cornbread with the cinnamon and sugar on top. Mm. Maddie, have you ever done this where you had a meal of just cornbread? No. But honestly, talking about it, it seems like a good idea. Because there's so many wide... Like, just, we're talking about so many different varieties of cornbread what's where have you eaten the best cornbread did you have to make it did you get it at a cafe did you get it from mm. your grocery store aisle like where, where's the best cornbread that you've ever consumed that's a very good question and i think what it'd have to be the cornbread that like really triggered my love for cornbread which was the cornbread from live cafe at live cornell cafe. so not the yep. not or is that what it's called live cafe mm-hmm. yes yeah, live, live cafe yeah, live cafe. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. That well, one. Why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was that one, not the dining hall cornbread, because they were these small little loaves of cornbread, and it wasn't a muffin; it was a loaf, and it was just so good. Mm. I don't, I don't know, because it's been like two years since I've had one, but wow, it just it made my heart skip a beat. I think. <laughs> <laughs> And 
I know, you know, everyone, all your friends knew that you had a tremendous affinity for cornbread, where you actually have a Facebook album of folks taking photos of themselves eating cornbread. How right. many photos um, do you have of people so, eating yeah. cornbread? People sent me these photos. They're like selfies of them eating cornbread. I think in the album, there are over 250 photos of people eating cornbread. Wow. A lot of people. <laughs> wow. Is it, it is the so same live cornbread or is it any variation? No, it's any variation of cornbread. I don't want to you know, limit people and... Mm. Not, not, not many people can probably get to that cornbread. So um, it's people eating all kinds of cornbread, even jalapeno cornbread. I accept those pictures too. <laughs> and, and is this a passion that you had maybe kindling before you had that cornbread at Live Cafe? Yeah, and I think that that Live Cafe cornbread probably just like sparked the fire because... I think, as you said, it was it was growing in me, this passion. Um, I have always loved cornbread, but I really think that that live cornbread made me love it even more. And I think what happened was I went, I went back like a couple days in a row and I was just like, wow, this is so good. And I kept eating it. But it is a good question. I definitely did like cornbread a lot before then. Growing up, my mom would make the boxes of the Jiffy cornbread, and I always thought they were so good. Right. I think, um, I think the viewers would, would maybe wonder, cornbread is similar to a muffin or maybe a biscuit or maybe something like a cookie. Um, mm. What would you say in response to these people? That's a good question. <laughs> um, so I think... A cookie and I don't know I don't know where I put biscuit in this but a cookie is definitely a dessert again I don't think cornbread is naturally in its true form a dessert I think cornbread is a side to complement a meal okay mm. a, I don't think I know enough about biscuits to try and classify them um, wait, I feel wait. like my reference to biscuits is as a breakfast food but again, I'm not so sure. So I don't know. I honestly think cornbread is much more of like a staple to a meal. You don't need a cookie because dessert, I don't know. I mean, everyone loves dessert. Not everyone, but people love dessert. But you could pass up on dessert. So you don't really need a cookie. You need a staple to your entree, which in this case could be cornbread. And then biscuit, I don't know. I think biscuits are liked by some, hated by others. So that one's just not as... I don't know, not as prevalent to me. Have you, have you ever had a, an arepa um, where it's like a no. cornmeal? So I think you would really like this. I think this kind of expands the universe of cornbread. Um, it's, okay. it's essentially a cornmeal patty um, that you, you know, put on a, like a flat top, you like fry it and everything and then in the middle you put like avocado you can put cheese you can put bacon eggs and it's kind of like a sandwich with two cornmeal patties as buns it sounds like an omelet an omelet but an, a cornmeal omelet right yeah so that does sound like a breakfast food is that a breakfast food it's a it's an everything kind of food i mean i 
you can i would actually say it's probably the best to to have after going to the bars because it's really greasy and hot i mean it's traditionally a breakfast item but you know okay i, I so think can you can enjoy late night do you eat this as a late night food no they, we don't have any late night arepas i wish we did but you know i'll go to the farmer's market i'll get my arepa then i'll pass that out for the rest of the day so i'm gonna provide the hot take of the day and say that yeah. arepas serve a different purpose than <laughs> than um than, than cornbread and i think and i think if i have if i understand maddie correctly cornbread is kind of that food or at least it was for me and for her in college is kind of that go-to snack in between classes you pick one up and it's the perfect portion it's not too heavy and it doesn't weigh you down and it's not the main star of a dish but an arepa serves a different kind of purpose you know you go out you you want something greasy to fill your stomach um but it's not quite the same thing no and from what it sounds also it seems like you have to put a lot of other things on the cornmeal patties to jazz it up and make it appealing. Whereas I think you eat cornbread by itself and it can be truly wonderful. Whereas it sounds like an arepa, you need to put all those toppings on it for it to reach that, that state. So you wouldn't be necessarily excited about a food truck that puts cornbread as its base and they jazz it up with all these fancy toppings you're more of a a traditional all right let's focus on the key ingredients here so that's a good question i put if they're branding it as cornbread with all these toppings that might excite me more but if it's corn is it it's cornmeal based is that right 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 it's 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 loosely cornmeal based so is polenta though and polenta. No, no, pol get out of here with polenta. No, 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 no to polenta. We're, we're, we're sticking to the arepa. I, I know an arepa's a stretch, but polenta, get out of here. Nope. <laughs> Polenta's okay. no good. No good. We're not talking Great. polenta. Okay, fine. Scratch that. I was just going to say I think there's something about cornbread when put together with its other ingredients that makes it much more appealing than cornmeal. And I know mm. that's the basis of cornbread, but yeah. it's just when it reaches that bread state versus like a patty of cornmeal. Mm. Does that sound that good? I don't Come think get so. Your piping hot cornmeal patties. Yeah, it doesn't right. sound too appetizing. Right, right. There's no. something unique yeah. about it. You know, when I think about cornmeal, I think about corn tortillas and it's just it's mm. a little bit grainy and there's got to be something on it to break mm -hmm. up that graininess. Right. I feel I you agree on that. With that. I feel Whereas you on that. cornbread's like fluffy. You might not even need anything on it. Does the outside have to be crispy to you? Of no. cornbread? Yeah. I don't think so. That, that's what made the live cafe cornbread so good. It was kind of spongy. It was kind of like a pound cake, really. It was like, it was... Had the right amount of sugar around it, wasn't too crispy, nothing. Yeah, the yeah, and the, the <laughs> edges still gave you that crisp, but yeah, like the inside, yeah. and it was so like as you said, fluffy. It had it had a lot of elements going. It was great. So when you come back for the Cornell reunion, are you gonna go into the live cafe and hoard 
all the cornbread? <laughs> yes, I will just be in live cafe the whole time, <laughs> buying up all of the cornbread. But then, you know, I think the magic of cornbread and what have I what I found the magic to be is like sharing that with others. Mm. So these cornbread photos I receive from people really give me some life. So I would go hoard that cornbread, but then I would bring it outside to people and share it. Oh. And we would have a little cornbread party and that could become one of the reunion events. That's incredible. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> I will share some with you. Don't worry. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you could literally get all the other people from all the different classes too. You can span generations. You're right. And can you imagine all of those cornbread selfies that could make it into that Facebook album? Wow. It'd be remarkable. How large of a number do you think you could get? Because, I mean, 250 is a remarkable record already. How, how large do you think you can get it to? So this kind of sounds like an interview question. Given the size of Reunion and the number of people attending. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just go on. Go on. <laughs> Dig deep, Maddie. Dig deep. <laughs> so... That's a good question. It's going to depend on how much cornbread Live Cafe is producing and how many people we have attending. So I don't know. I'm going to guess that the Live Cafe cornbread production is the bottleneck here. Shout out to Professor Perez. He would love that. Um, but I don't know. I feel like they probably make, what, 150, 100 cornbreads mm -hmm. a day? Yeah, so I think we could, we could, we could shoot for that. Nice. I like it. <laughs> good, good. You can have some, don't worry. Maddie, we know, we know that you're a big marathon runner and a, and a runner in general. Um, besides cornbread, what's a good pre-workout <laughs> meal before your runs? Oh, great question. Yeah, and besides cornbread's a good point because, you know, I would definitely want to not just hone in on that. Um, probably a banana, mm. maybe some type of protein bar. And I don't know if I'd eat all of it, but maybe like half a cliff bar. Ooh. And to be honest, today before I went running, and I know I told you I ate all the neighbor's cookies. I think I ate three chocolate chip cookies before I went for a run. And it went Fantastic. pretty well. Nice. So I think anything with a little bit of carbs, but not too, man too much, too many, too many carbs. Um, is a good choice and then banana is always good for potassium or you could eat a potato because did you know a potato has more potassium than a banana wow that's huh i'm learning new things every day I did that's not my know hot that. take of the day that is a very hot take <laughs> i always see potatoes as just being nutritiously vacant yes and that's a great point because i would too it just kind of seems like a okay well some people love potatoes but they're not really purposeful but they have so much potassium apparently that's interesting i had a friend that lost 20 pounds and he went on this diet where he only ate potatoes no potatoes huh. and butter yeah and apparently you can survive that sounds pretty potatoes tasty and potatoes, and potatoes and butter potatoes and butter good. is a diet yeah i think the idea is to reset your palate you know hmm. people that drink only soda water you know, okay. and then they cut that out and they only drink water. That's the same idea with food and, and potatoes. A anyway, I'm sorry to drag us out on that tangent. 
Wait, Victor, that was I know you. I know you're also a long distance runner, Victor. What what do you usually eat before a long run? I eat these split packs. So I I, I blend Ooh. a I blend usually a berry smoothie, and then with bananas, blueberries, raspberries, um, and almond milk, and then I put peanut butter over that, and I do like a fifty fifty split. So it's got a good carb to fat ratio. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. That is uh, very fancy. Um, Maddie, are you a big, I know a lot of people, a lot of runners are carb focused. Um, what are your macro breakdowns? Oh no. Okay, In terms I don't of know how to answer that question. carbs and okay. I'm sorry. This is, this, this is a bad question, but <laughs> <laughs> But I, I know that cornbread is mostly carbs, is what I'm saying. Uh, okay. Are you ever concerned about eating too many carbs as a runner? Yes. So I'd say I'm more concerned about not getting enough because I've noticed while running, if I don't eat the right thing before I run, I'll get cramps in my stomach. But, mm. and I think. I think I've narrowed that down to not enough water and not enough carbs. There is the concern though, if I eat too many carbs, more, more so not that it will give me an issue while running, but will I have just like overeaten carbs that it didn't even contribute or help me run? Not that carbs are bad at all because I love carbs, but I think with concern to running, it's usually like, oh, did I eat that? I don't know that I need to eat that. Makes sense. Yeah. But my concern, so just to comment on your intake before you run, <laughs> I'd be so afraid that I would need to like go to the bathroom while I'm running if I drank a smoothie. Oh yeah, that's a major concern. Always. <laughs> it's dancing with fire. Uh-huh. It's it's always a ritual, I don't know about you, to you to use the restroom before my runs because the last thing you want is to be stranded very yeah. far away mm. yeah that's fair and we don't need to dwell on it i was kind of just curious though <laughs> i do think about it mm. i do think about it the reason I, I try to eat more fats is because of that issue okay because I, I know a lot of runners eat those gels and oh, those yeah. and those get, i'm not a big fan of those interesting okay Wait, so I'm, I'm, I'm of course not a runner. Um, so <laughs> of course, right? what, what, what is a gel? Is it, can you explain what the gels are? I don't know what it's truly made up of, but I think Victor, you might have to correct me. Is it have like electrolytes in it? I don't, I know it's just like a chewy gummy type jello-y substance that's like supposedly filled with, I think like energy quote unquote. Yeah, imagine Gatorade made Starburst. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I, I didn't need to say oh. anything. Could have just answered your question. Yeah. No, I, I was dwelling on it as you were as you were saying. It's it's sort of like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I mean, neither seem appealing to me. Running or the gel. Sorry. <laughs> Capono, you you're a marathoner in life. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Exercise, the exercise I get is flipping channels. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, what strong thumbs. Yep. <laughs> so 
I'm going to go in a, in a different direction. I know, Maddie, you're in Chicago. You're in the Mecca of, you're, you're in a culinary Mecca. You have deep dish pizza. You got Portillo's. You have mm. hot beef sandwiches. Mm-hmm. You have everything. What, yes. What's your favorite Chicago food staple? Oh, boy. So I think the thing that I think to eat when I get home from being away is Portillo's. Mm. And this might be a cheat answer, but what I would get at Portillo's, I would get two things. I'd get a small Italian beef that's dipped with hot peppers, and I would also get a Chicago-style hot dog. That's exactly what I got last time I went. (laughs) Well, great. You have wonderful taste. (laughs) Live cornbread. Now this, we are just in line. What is a Um, Chicago-style hot dog? So Chicago style hot dog, I might miss a couple things. It has relish, which is that like neon green stuff that can't be natural, but you know, you just need it. (laughs) Right. Um, It has, I think, onions, tomatoes, a pickle, like a pickle spear, mustard, and that might be it. Definitely no ketchup. I personally love ketchup, but if it's a hot Chicago style hot dog, I can forgo some ketchup. Gotcha. Isn't the bun? The bun is different too, right? I don't know. Is it? I know sometimes they do like poppy seed buns. Oh, yeah. The ones at Portillo's do have poppy seed buns. I don't know if a Chicago style hot dog always had a poppy seed bun, though. Hmm. That's a good question. Hmm. Victor, have you ever, um, have you been to Chicago before? Um, yes. Um, one time for an interview and it was the coldest place I've ever been to. <laughs> <laughs> the wind chill was next level. Like I, I've survived Ithaca winters, but Chicago was, was the coldest place on earth I've ever been to. <laughs> it was wow. good. It was when good. Did you go? I don't know. I think it was mid-February. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Winter. But it's a beautiful city. It's so much more spacious than I would have imagined it to be. That's a good point. Spacious. I think compared to like a New York City, for sure. It's much cleaner also than New York. Much cleaner. Which I I liked. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) So... I, you know, this is also a hot, this could, this is probably going to be a hot take, but what is the best slice of deep dish pizza? Oh boy. Oh boy. We don't dodge questions here, Maddie. I know. It's a good thing I don't have many followers because I could get some heat from them if I did. If I was like a cornbread influencer, but I haven't reached that status yet. Um, and it'd be about cornbread, so maybe they wouldn't care about deep dish. So maybe this doesn't matter anyways. Um, okay, let's see. I think my go-to is Lou Malnati's. Ooh. I applaud that answer. I, I saw and, Dave Portnoy's review on that on mm. YouTube the other day. It looked really good. Yeah. Was it a positive review? It yeah. was It was very positive. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I don't. That's not true. I know why. I know because it's based on my previous tastings of them. I haven't had them in close enough succession, though, to tell you why specifically I remember it being to get, being better. I think I need mm-hmm. to like have them 
re- like soon and in closer succession to be able to say it's the crust, it's the sauce, it's the topping, whatever it might be. But now with, with Chicago pies, you have to buy the whole thing or you can't just go in and, and get a slice like in New York. So if you're getting a, sh- if you're getting a deep dish, that's such a good question. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know that I've ever been in a situation where I went to get deep dish and only wanted a slice. I think I'll always eat at least, not at least, probably like two slices of deep dish pizza, but I think I'm always with someone else who would too. So I don't think it ever makes sense to just ask for a slice. I've probably always mm. gotten at least a small deep dish pizza. Interesting. Because yeah. that seems to be the cultural difference Chicago maybe in New York in pizza culture. It's not really the pizza itself, but it's a sit-down thing in Chicago, it mm. sounds like. That's true. Well, you definitely not definitely you probably could not eat a piece of deep dish pizza walking around. <laughs> Victor Victor Chen can do it. Victor Chen is not human. He he can do it. <laughs> I know you can do it. Have you done that? No, 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 no. I wouldn't. I know I that he could, to. though, if he wanted to. I wouldn't if he want wanted to. to. He could. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Like, there's so many pizza counters in New York City, and you grab it and like on your way home and just eat it. I think. Victor, how is the the pizza culture in California? How would you describe it? And do you like it? In one word, I would say it is a is bleak. <laughs> Bleak. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just think in, in California, it's out of control. There, I think with pizza, it's one of those foods like cornbread that needs to have rules and regulations. The, <laughs> other, otherwise, in California, people are putting ranch on pizza, barbecue sauce. And barbecue sauce can be good on pizza. Um, but, um, but, yeah, I think pizza is just one of those things that is good because it's simple. It's got those three ingredients. Well, thank you so much, Maddie, for um for taking time out of your day to uh to welcome us into your home and sharing the wonderful gift of cornmeal or cornbread. Cornbread was delicious. It was so good. The jalapeno yeah. one was was by far my favorite. Okay, I was going to ask, and which one was your favorite, Capono? I I'm an OG. I, I like I like the jiffy. Okay, I accept that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you both found something you enjoyed, and it was a pleasure feeding you. 